Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. Bibles turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, this is where I'm going to pull this from, and this is where I felt like the prophetic word came from. 2 Kings chapter 4. I'll give you a title in just a moment. Uh, I want to read this out. There'll be quite a few uh, scripture here. Um, but as I get ready to read this, understand Elisha was the prophet that was um, the successor to Elijah. Elijah the prophet was the, old, the greatest Old Testament prophet, even so much so that whenever the Mount of Transfiguration, whenever Jesus uh, is, is up on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah show up and appear, which represents the law, which is Moses, and the prophets, which is Elijah, the, the, that represents the Old Testament prophets, and, and, and they're having this conversation. Well, Elijah is called up into heaven, and Elisha, his son and the spirit, grasped a hold of his mantle and had double portion. And so this is a prophet that you didn't mess with. You started calling him names and all that stuff. Even some kids started messing around with him and calling him a bald guy and all this stuff. So this would be for some of you that... that that, that may not have any hair. Yeah, I don't know if you want to do this or not, but he actually called some bears out of the woods and they mauled about 50 kids. So, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, it's just that you didn't mess with this cat. Everybody knew him. He had a, he had a reputation. He didn't play. But he was actually in the process, you read on, that he was expanding the, the, the sons of the prophets, the school of the prophets. He was expanding that thing. So God was instrumentally using him. And so as we read in this story, understand there's some figurative stuff that I'm going to be talking about that I think that speaks to us tonight, um, but it's, 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 a, it's a type and a shadow. So when we look at David, he's a type and a shadow, a prophet, priest, and a king. Well, who does that point to? It points to Jesus because he was a prophet, priest, and king. Uh, more than that, but that's what we look at. With Elisha, he represents the word of the Lord. Old Testament prophets, when you look at them, um, they, the spirit of the Lord did not rest upon every person. Like we, many of us here in the room, the, the Holy Spirit is in all of us because of the blood of Jesus and what he did, the sacrifice, so we can hear the word of the Lord. Every one of us can hear the word of the Lord. We have access to the voice of God. Old Testament, Old Testament, it wasn't like that. So we had prophets, and the spirit of the Lord would come and rest upon a man of God, and he would be the spokesman. And people freaked out when he showed up. Just read whenever Samuel showed up at the house of Jesse. They were trying to figure out, like, what manner of visitation is this? Because they carried with, within them a word of destruction to destroy, a wipe out a city, a town. So that's the weightiness of who this is. So hang with me tonight as I give this word to you. You ready? Um, And so start in verse eight, it says, now a day came when Elisha went over to Shunem where there was a prominent woman and she urged him, you can go ahead and put the scripture up on the screen if you would, where there was a prominent woman and she urged him 
to eat food. And so it was as often as he passed by that he turned in there to eat. And she said to her husband, behold, now I am aware that this is a holy man of God passing by us repeatedly. Please let us make a walled upper room, a little walled upper room, and let's set up a bed for him there and a table, a chair, and a lampstand. Then it shall be that when he comes to us, that he can turn in there. Now, one day he came there and turned into the upper room and rested. Then he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him and he said to him, that's interesting. He calls him in and he's talking, he, he, he talks to her through Gehazi. And he said, say to her, behold, you have taken uh, trouble for us with all this care. What can I do for you? What would you like? Would you like for me to speak uh, for you to the king or to the commander of the army? But she answered, "I live among my own people. In other words, I'm good. I, I'm I'm I am well taken care of. I'm I'm pretty. I'm influential in my country." And uh, it goes on to say, it says, "So he said, what then is to be done for her?" And Gehazi answered, "I love this, and I'll give you a I'll give you a, an understanding of this in just a moment." And Gehazi answered, just those three words. It is fact, it is a fact that she has no son, her husband is old, and uh, he, said, he then said to her, call her, and when he had called to her, she stood in the doorway, then he said, at this season next year, you're going to embrace a son, and she said, no, my Lord, you man of God, do not lie to your servant. Now the woman conceived and gave birth to a son at the season next year, as Elijah had told her. This is the subject that I want to talk to you about tonight, and this is a simple prophetic word, which prophetic words should be simple, and this is my word to you. It's to everybody in this room. Here it is. Make room. Make room. As I was walking and we're praying over our connection cards this past Monday morning, I heard that phrase, the Lord just called me by name. And, and I mean, literally, we're all praying and I just felt like the Lord spoke to me and he said, AJ, make room. You've got to make room. So from that, I want to tell you that what I'm seeing, I may not be seeing it physically yet, but what I'm seeing into the realm of the spirit is I'm seeing uh, expansion. I'm seeing growth. I'm seeing mass outpouring. I'm seeing the, the miraculous beginning to be a normal display in our gathering. It's the importance of the gathering of the saints together. There's a movement where people are just not wanting to attend churches and not gather with a local house. But let me tell you, what happens in this room, what happens with the members of the house that God has ordained to begin to, to reach out into the region and see people's lives transformed. He's going to do it in the members. He's going to do it right inside the local gatherings of the saints. And there's an established government that Ephesians 4 established that Jesus himself gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's his church government, and that's what he's giving to us to equip the saints. And I want to tell you, to give you a word that you've got to make room. You've got to make room. So what I want you to do is that I want you to say your name, and I want you to say whatever your name is, and then say make room right behind it. Go ahead. Make room. AJ, make room. Why? Because if God is saying, I'm getting ready, I don't want to let that word just sit. I don't want to, well, that's a cute little word, and it's a cute little, it's just a simple phrase, but no, I want it to get inside. It's not a concept. It may be a concept to you, but it's a conviction to me. Conviction affects my behavior. Concept comes into mind, it's gone. It's a fleeting thing. It's in and out. But let it become a conviction tonight. Now, in the story that I just listed to you or read to you, um, we give you a little bit of a backstory. Uh, this woman is in a region called Shunem. And when you look at the region of what it means, Shunem, it means this, double resting place. 
So these names in the story are very vital and important to what I'm trying to relay to you tonight. It's important. I would, I would encourage you to go home and read through this a couple of three, four, five, six, seven times to really get it within your spirit whenever God tells you to make room. So Shunem means double resting place. And it's interesting that Elisha had double of the spirit of God resting upon his life. So I'm going to go somewhere. Hang with me. This woman that we're reading about, she's a wealthy, prominent woman. Doesn't say anything about her husband. It just says he's old. That's it. And she can't have a kid. He's, he's old, but she's influential. She's known throughout the region. Uh, she's, she's a prominent business lady. She has no need for him to go to the king, go to anybody, because she's already got all of those things. She doesn't need anything. And so... As we begin to read through the story, I want to point some things out specifically. This is simplistic, but I want to give you something that you can take within yourself and apply it within your... Are you with me tonight? Don't fall asleep on me. I know it's been a hot day. It's rough. It feels good in here. Maybe just turn it up, Kyle. No, I'm just kidding. Um, All right, so let's jump in. So when we read throughout this story, in the very first scripture, what we see in verse 8 is it says that she urged him to eat food. Like she was persuaded... Like, that wasn't just a strong, or it wasn't just a simple, hey, why don't you just come in here and take a bite? Hey, sit with us, and, and, and you can learn a lot when you sit down to eat with somebody, can't you? You can learn a lot. Every time that you sit down to have a meal with somebody, it doesn't matter. Uh, maybe it's a friend. There's always going to be something going on in their life, and you begin to open up and have conversations. So she urges this prophet to turn in here. And, and as Elisha begins to turn in, he starts, there is a uh, visitation that begins to take place. But what really begins to stand out to me when I hear God say, you've got to make room. Well, the first thing, because there's a lot of people that sit on our seats every Sunday and every Wednesday, but they're not open. They come and attend because, well, it's just, I love the music. I love this. I love that. But God, has God called me here? I don't know. I just, but, but there's not an openness. And that's really the first point. Whenever God speaks to you and he says, Leslie, it's time to make room. Well, the first thing you've got to be, you've got to be open. I got to be open to what God wants to do. So there has to be an openness and that can go in levels. I have to be open to the word of the Lord. I have to be open to the miraculous wonder work and power of what God, and I have to be open. Um, it's, Reading this story, what started out with this woman as a visitation, as Elisha turned in with her husband and her, it ended up in something greater than that. But it started with visitation. But she was open. She opened her house, she opened her home, and she welcomed him in. And every time that he would come through, he would stop in and eat with them. If I could say this, that God has visited many of us in the past. Many of us, we've had encounters with the Holy Spirit, but they're no longer current. Now, I'm going to flip it. Just give me a moment. But when is the last time that you truly had an encounter with the Lord? Well, it was back probably back in 2015 whenever we were doing an altar call. That's too long. That's too long. Every time that I have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, it reveals something about the nature of God. And people say, well, now you just can't live from encounter to encounter. Well, let me, I'm not seeking some emotional experience all the time because I encounter the word sometimes and it opens my eyes to see things that I've never seen before. You have to have, you, you have, to have experience in the presence of God. I'm not talking about that long years. I'm saying encountering the presence of God. People say, well, I just don't understand all of that emotionalism. The God of the universe comes down. He's here. It's just I'll give you another point. God comes down into a room in a worship service, and he touches you. Your physical being cannot hold 
that almighty power. So he is withholding some of his power, but he just touches you a little bit. And that's why people experience what they experience. Sometimes they weep. Sometimes they laugh. Sometimes they shake because he's the God of the universe. He's infinite. How in the world can we put him in a box? He spoke, the scripture says, and then things begin to rattle and roll. I love uh, what David says that he, he talks about the mountains. He touches the mountains and they melt like wax. And I know it's like, well, that's just part of a song. No, I literally believe that he could touch the mountains and they would melt like wax. He's an infinite God, but are you open? Do you just attend and you just enjoy? Or are you open? Are you engaging because he's an actual? He's wanting you to make room, but it starts with openness. So you got to ask yourself a question. Am I truly open to this miracle working God, this infinite God? Because, well, I've got, I'm, I'm good with where I'm at. Are you comfortable? Are you comfortable? Are you familiar with a God that you barely know? Because he's infinite. There's more of God to be experienced. All right, I got to keep moving on. I can keep going on. He's visited many of us in the past, but maybe we've cluttered our lives with compromise and with patterns of a worldly system. Listen, let me just go old school for a second. There, I am not, and and this is me, and this is us in our home. Anything that deals with, this is going to sound legalistic to some people, but I'm just going to have to go. Anything that deals with Halloween, anything that deals with magic, anything, any doors that could be a possible opportunity for it to infiltrate my home through, well, it's just cute. Or maybe it's a movie or something where you have all of these, these relationships and there's affairs taking place and always oh, oh, just celebrate they get back together and at the end and there's no marriage within it and it's just all of these things we celebrate those things but could it be that I'm opening a door into my home where a spirit could infiltrate and God's telling I can't come in I can't come in and mess with it I'm contending with a movie I'm contending with, with a lifestyle I'm contending with hearts and patterns of worldly systems and it's hard and we're, we're fatigued and we're tired but we don't know what door we've opened up and allowed to come into our home We're open, all right, but we may have opened the wrong door and let the wrong thing come into our homes. I know, listen, I get it. I'm not legalistic. I was just raised in such a way that I understand that, hey, man, I got to make sure that we keep doors closed that don't, they can't, I mean, they don't want to be open. So I want to be open to what God is doing. The world is open. The world is open. How is it? How is it? That I think, I can't remember if it was Pastor Eddie that said it a while back, that Harry Potter is the most popular book that's being read right now. I just lost some of you. I'm sorry. But how is it one of the most popular? Well, it's just a good book. Is it because that the world is intrigued by a realm and they're interested to know, like, man, what's, what's all that about? A supernatural realm. You were created. You were supernaturally natural or naturally supernatural. There is something in you that wants to know, is there something else out there? Am I right? I want to make sure that I keep doors closed that can affect me and generations to follow me. And I want to make sure that I'm open to the fullness of what God wants to do. I don't want to be closed off to him. All right, I'll keep moving. Second thing, verse 9, it says, the woman lays out and she says, and she said to her husband, behold, now I am aware that this is a holy man of God. He's holy. She can tell 
because of the conversations. She may not have known that at the beginning, but she knows it now because she's begun to break bread with him. And as he comes in, there's something on this man, which Elisha represents the anointing. Elisha represents the word of the Lord. So she can feel it every time that maybe when he comes in, can I tell my story? That maybe when he steps into the home, that anointing, that spirit, there's a fragrance upon Elisha's life as he begins to open up. Maybe he talks about the Torah. Maybe he's given words that he's talking about. Hey, I'm getting ready to share this. But she understands. She's intrigued and she can tell this is a holy man, whatever her husband's name is. He's a holy man. And so it moves from there to where she's like, man, we've got to figure out what needs to happen to keep him here. To keep, every time he comes through, we want him stopping by. We want the anointing resting upon our house. Here's the second thing is awareness. So you, you got to be open, but the second thing is simplistic. When you start making room for more of God, you got to be aware. You have to live aware. What does that mean? What exactly does awareness mean? Well, awareness is the vital ingredient to growing deeper. Awareness is. Awareness of what? The presence of the Lord. As God begins to speak to us tonight and say, hey, I want you to begin to make room for me. I begin to open myself up to him. But that means that every day, at some points throughout the day, I know our minds are working. It's hard to think constantly on the Lord. Maybe it's just through uh, different aspects. But, but to actually have a focused time, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but throughout the day, you just stop and you, know, you say, God, you're omnipresent. That means you're everywhere at all times. And it's impossible. Let me just give you something. It's impossible for God to answer the prayer, Lord, be with me. You want to know why? It's already done. It's a promise in scripture. He's never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you. All you have to do is stop and become aware. Father, I know that you're here right now. So I turn my heart of affection. I shift my focus from this busyness of this chaos and this mess that I'm in right now. And I just declare that you're here right now and I become aware of who you are. She said, I am aware I, let me just take you for those that missed it. Jacob, y'all know the story of Jacob. Jacob, uh, whenever he went to, he was running from his father's house because Esau was going to kill him. He had a dream. He lays down his head on a rock, which is symbolic for Christ, and he takes a nap. And in that nap, he begins to see the heavens open and angels ascending and descending. He sees the Lord standing and he hears the voice of God speaking. He wakes up and he says that this is... He said that the Lord is certainly in this place, and I did not know it. But then he's aware, right? Samson, one that messed with compromise, lulled to sleep on the lap of Delilah through compromise, constantly compromising, did not know whenever she cut his hair. He wakes up and realizes his strength is gone, but didn't know the anointing lifted off his life. The pe we have got to cultivate that. How do you do it? It's you. It's a discipline that even when you sit down to read scripture or even when you begin to pray from your house to your, to your job or maybe it's just from here to Walmart, you just threw out that, God, I, I, I just want you to know that I'm acknowledging you're in this vehicle right now with me and I want to cultivate, I want to practice the presence. I want to practice as I'm washing my dishes, as I'm taking care of the children, as I'm doing aspects of whatever I'm doing through my life, I'm going to cultivate awareness. If he's telling you to make room if you give God space he's gonna fill it just like if you give the enemy space he's gonna fill it you give him his schedule he'll fill it up and make you so busy yeah but I'm just busy but is it things that really matter so 
not only do I want to be aware, and I promise you, as you begin to cultivate an awareness, there's a greater faith that begins to grow inside of you. And so when you do see somebody sick or you do encounter a situation that looks merely impossible, that you approach it from heaven to earth and not from earth to heaven. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do? No, 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 God, I know. You may not answer the way I expect you to do, but I know because I've been cultivating something with you. I've been stirring something with you. And I know that when I pray, you listen. I know that when I pray, you're always ready and eager to answer. So God, I'm, I'm releasing it to you right now. Cultivate that awareness and believe. I promise you, through scripture and through cultivating a daily awareness, watch what shifts over the, past three, over the next three months in your life. All right. Verse 10. By the way, I don't know <laughs> if you guys are like the way I am, but it, when she said that I'm aware that this is a holy man of God and uh, he passes by us repeatedly. It's like, I don't know if God has to make it plain for, for you guys like he does for me. It has to be on repeat. So I'm like, oh, okay, that is God. We gotta, you know, I just, maybe it could be a coincidence, but it's really not when God begins to make it, make it very plain for you. Um, verse 10, it goes on to say, it says that, she said, please, she's at the point now where she's pleading with her husband, please, let's make a little walled upper room and let's set up a bed for him there, a table, a chair, a lampstand. Then it shall be that when he comes to us, he can turn in and he can rest. I don't, if any of you have ever read, it's one of my, it, it really transformed my, my prayer life. Uh, and actually my pursuit and the vision for my life. But it's a book called Hosting the Presence. And Pastor Bill Johnson, and he, he talks about, uh, in that book he mentions, he said, now we understand the Holy Spirit is, he's not a dove, but it says he descended like a dove upon Jesus and he remained. And he, he makes a point and he said, if the Holy Spirit was visible and you could see it. And he came down as a dove and he lit on your shoulder. Being that many of you understand a dove is a very, uh, it's a skittish bird. Now, the Holy Spirit's not, but you just have to be really cautious. You would take, if the, the presence of the Lord was resting on you and you could see it, you would take every step with that dove in mind, not wanting it to lift. So the point to that is, here, as I'm about to say, the visitations from the Holy Spirit have to become more than just visitations. They have to become habitations. This is preached for years and years and years. But it's the truth. It's an unchanging, untimely truth. The, the moments I love my encounters with the Holy Spirit, I can, I, can, I can walk across this room and tell you when we were in the old building, an encounter I had right back there in that corner by myself in this room, it was so powerful. And right over there in the floor, how many times that, that I've had encounters on my face just weeping because the presence of God was just overwhelming. And at the house at Ridgefield and our home now, and just I've had encounters and I look back and they're, they're landmarks to see and, and experience God in a way that I've never experienced him before. But I, they used to be when I was teenage years and even right out of, right out of high school that they moved beyond just, I, I would have these encounters and I would change my lifestyle for just a little bit and I'd go right back into the same thing. But then something changed. One of my most powerful encounters that happened back in 2010, it literally changed the trajectory of my life 
when I encountered the presence of God so overwhelmingly powerful that it affected me, it shook me to the core. Because I encountered God in such a way, it affected my, my conversations, it affected my dreams, it affected my lifestyle, it, everything, it affected everything. And that day, I can honestly say, I wasn't going to say this, but that was the day that God stopped, uh, that he moved from being just a, someone I visited to someone that I craved and he had to live on me. He became a habitation because it affected everything. I rearranged my life and my lifestyle. The, the books that I read, every, I, I was not a reader. I hated books in high school. Like when some are reading books, can I give you a story? How many of y'all really read those? Now be honest in the church house. All right. Bless you guys. You, I, know, I know you would. Really. Listen, I didn't even do the cliff notes. I just went in there and winged it. Most of the time, it was high 60s, low 70s, and I still passed because I was checking out somebody else's paper beside me. But, you know, hey. But I hated to read. I really did. But when God got a hold, it's like he just got a hold of me and shook me like a dish rag. And when he did, I wanted to read everything that I could possibly read on the Holy Spirit. Even though I was raised in it, I wanted to know more. And now that expands and it grows, and I'm just continually feeding myself with that. Because God moved from a visitation to a habitation. And God is telling you to make room because he doesn't want to no longer just visit you uh, once a month. Or when you come into the church service. He wants it to become a habitation in your home. He wants it to begin to affect everything that you do. There are so many that are content for encounters uh, with God from time to time. But maybe they don't know or aren't comfortable with the God of the universe coming down and touching you and to the point to where he establishes his presence in your home, either maybe in you physically or maybe spiritually in that aspect, emotionally, or maybe whatever it may be. We're not comfortable with that. I want to take you to the next portion of this and it's really getting ready to land the plane, but it says that she told her husband, build an upper room. Now, I don't know if you've tracked upper rooms throughout scripture, but can I, can I tell you, and this is figuratively speaking to us in our life, to make room for, for God to begin to do something spectacular. But if we begin to track upper rooms throughout Old Testament to New Testament, this is what I find. Elijah, Elijah his predecessor, the scripture says that he came to a widow at Zarephath. Her husband was, the, was one of the sons of the prophets, and he had died. He comes in and tells her, says, hey, you know, bring me some vessels, and God's going to fill them with oil, and you'll never run out. She cooked him cakes, and he was all good to go. But she had built him a room upstairs, built him a room, and that's where he was staying when he was in Zarephath. And so she had provided a place for the anointing because she understood he was a holy man. He went into an upper room, and that's the same upper room. That whenever her son died, she lays him on a bed and Elijah comes up and he begins to stretch himself out in that upper room and there's resurrection life in an upper room. See, in your life, the spirit of the Lord can come into your upper room and he can begin to resurrect some things that's been dead. Well, this dream, pastor, you spoke it. The, the Lord spoke it. It was a dream because the, uh, she was prophesied a son just like Elisha. If you read on with the story with this woman, her son dies and he's raised back to life in an upper room. But it's my dream. It's laid on a bed. And God said, all I need you to do is make room. Just make room. Lay it on the bed. 
And then he'll resurrect it. And he always resurrect it better than what you could ever think it was. I'm telling you, when God resurrects something, it's always better than what it previously was. Maybe your dream you thought was this and God it dies and then he resurrects it in a different way. Joseph, you thought that it was gonna be this, but it actually became that. You went from a pit to a palace in a, in a matter of time. Pit to a prison to a palace, right? So God, it's in that upper room in you that that dream can be resurrected. Come on, y'all gotta be with me tonight. I know it's been a hot day today, but let me work with me for just a few more moments. It was also in an upper room. How many of you know the book of Judges? Can I take you through a little bit? The book of Judges that nobody's like, this is, just, this is on repeat. Pastor, you talking about repeat? Book of Judges, it's on repeat. They worship God. They end up getting turned sideways. They worship God some idols in the land and then they the lord sends somebody to afflict them they fight you know they fall into sin and then they start crying out for deliver it's the same thing over and over well there's a there's a guy in scripture and his name's called ehud and i love it because i'm left-handed and it calls him a left-handed warrior so all those that thought left-handed people were cursed come on now ehud was a left-handed warrior and i love this because it represents the nation of israel had a guy sitting on the throne called eglon that's a great name for somebody that's pregnant about to have children, Eglon. And he's seated in an upper room, enjoying himself as the breeze blows through. But Ehud was raised up by God. He, formed, he, he, he made a sword, hit it on his thigh. He goes into that upper room, sees that, and the scripture calls him, says that he is a fat man. That's what it says. He's a big fella. And, and it says that Ehud gets close enough to him. There's nobody else in the room. He pulls the knife out, slides it into his gut. He's so big, the scripture says that, that his, his stomach closed back over his, his knife. And it was hit in his stomach. He never knew it. And he slipped out the door. Here's the next thing about the upper room. All right? You start making space for God. And he comes into that. If there's something seated in that upper room in your heart, what is enthroned upon the seat in that upper room in your heart that's not right? Because God, Holy Spirit will come in and he will begin to deal specifically what's going on inside. If there's sin there, he'll confront it. You want him to confront that. You want him to convict you. You never want conviction to live. Once you, once you begin to start getting comfortable with stay, taking another step, compromise, another step, guess what? Your conscience becomes seared with a hot iron. And you don't know right from left. You know good from bad. Uh, that's okay. Because that's the problem in our generation right now. One generation begin to tolerate so many different aspects of what the culture's doing now, that now it's being celebrated. Gender, uh, abortion, all of these things are being celebrated. Is it not? Because I believe it's the believers. I believe it's us. I believe it's for us to say, no, 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 no. We're gonna make sure that whatever's seated upon the throne of our hearts, we're gonna make sure that it's removed. Holy Spirit, come in, deal with me. Change me. Don't change everybody. See, there's some of us, if you're praying a prayer, God, change this person, change that person. You need to change them too, God, because they're just, and that person over there, you need to stop and say, well, wait a second. Holy Spirit, do I need to change? Because I'm praying for everybody else to change, but maybe I'm the issue. Maybe I'm the problem. Let him come. Be open. Be aware that he's here. And let him come in and begin to move some stuff around. Let him move from being, becoming a visitation to becoming a habitation to where every day you get up and you cultivate intimacy. I'm telling you, if I, I, I've, I struggle. I really do. I've had to reformat my prayer life, and it's hard, especially Fridays and Saturdays. Um, but if I can't pray, I get cranky, and I think that's a little bit legalistic. I don't know. Crystal's told me that, so. 
So I would say my second Holy Spirit. Not, I don't mean that like blasphemy or anything, but it's like husbands listens to your wives. Uh, but but I feel like that I've got to have that. I need I need I, I want to keep my heart tender. I want to be open and aware to what God's wanting to do. All right, I'll keep moving. I know some of you maybe it may not be anything to you. Here's the next thing about an upper room. You ready? The next part of the upper room, Jesus teaches servitude in an upper room, servanthood. The Last Supper, he's with his disciples. That's when Jesus will step into your heart and the place that you've made space for. He'll step in, and when you're struggling, you're haughty, you're prideful, and you're wanting everybody to bow to you and whatever it may be. And we may not say it that way, but we become prideful from time to time. Jesus will step in, and he'll bow down. He won't, he won't, maybe he doesn't convict you, but he just starts working actions in you. He bows down and begins to wash your feet, and you begin to get convicted from that aspect of it. He'll send somebody into your world that, that, that you, you're lashing out at, and they're just taking the approach of grace. They're taking the approach of mercy. Maybe it's your anger. Maybe it's your explosive fits of rage that, oh, sometimes when I'm driving, people just can't drive. And it's like, all of a sudden, you'll see this gentle old little lady. She's just chilling, driving. It's like, oh, my gosh, grace. That's not her name, but she's just displaying grace grower. Thank God, thank you. Right, Kyle? I know. I mean, it's just rough. But anyway, but, but God has a way of coming into the upper room and teaching you servanthood. It's not about you. He said, I didn't come to, I didn't come to, to be served. I came to serve and give my life as a ransom. But he gets into that place of the upper room. AJ, if you would, come play. So I'll stop. This word went completely a different direction than what I thought it was going to go. And then there was an upper room. When the church was born in Acts chapter 2. When Jesus teaches them for 40 days and tells them, go and wait. There's a promise coming. And sometimes in that upper room, you're in a place within yourself and you're having to be patient and wait when you've got a promise but it hasn't been fulfilled yet but you got a promise so in that place you wait and then suddenly it's a suddenly moment there comes a sound as of a rushing mighty wind maybe you're on your way to your job maybe you're in your job maybe you're here at the church maybe you're by yourself and the world is collapsing around you and then all of a sudden there comes a sound like a rushing mighty wind and it begins to fill your world and all of a sudden a baptism of fire comes upon you in such force that all you can do is weep and cry and pray in tongues maybe that's how it hits you I've been there and it comes, in t- and I've, I've told the Holy Spirit, I've made a deal with him. I really have. I said I've made a deal with him. I don't know if you can do that. But I've told him, Holy Spirit, I don't care when you come. I don't care how you come. I'm going to be open. Now, there's been times I've been tired and fought that, and I've not held up my end of the bargain, but I've always tried to come back with a tender heart and say, Holy Spirit, I don't care how. I don't care when. I don't care where. I don't care where I'm at. I can't tell you how many times uh, whenever, whenever I would be leaving from the church, driving home, that all of a sudden there would be just a presence of God come into the vehicle with me and, and it would just begin to touch me in such a way in this precious moment, just driving home, weeping, thinking about what God did during the day, but it was coming after, after the service and not during for me. I always see God moving on people's lives. But Here's a word to our campus. I've got two scriptures. You ready? Here's the first one. 
this word, this, this scripture's been given to me twice. One came through a dream, one came through a vision from somebody. And they said, Pastor AJ, I've got to, I want to tell you, and I could read the text off, but Isaiah 54 and 2 says this, and this is a New Living Translation. I love it. It says, enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, and spare no expense. This says to stretch out your ropes and drive deep your, t- drive deep your tent pegs. Expand your tent. Our reach what God's going to do in our house is beginning to stretch out over the region. I'm telling you, just beginning to expand and reach. And Leviticus 26 and 10, and this was a warning to me as somebody gave it to me. You will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. So all of us here, let you know, get ready. When you begin to make space, when you begin to make room, you begin to follow the process, stay committed and stay faithful, what you're going to begin to see is that, well, I've already blessed right now. And God's like, you got to move that out because I'm about to bring something else in. God, I prophesy, some of you in this house right now, God is going to begin to deal in heaps. Not dealing in here a little, there a little. It's, it's in heaps. God says, I'm dealing in heaps. I'm dealing in heaps. I'm not dealing in just p- small portions, small bite-sized portions. I'm dealing in heaps. I'm not dealing in the small. Don't despise the day of small beginnings, but I'm doing more than that. I want to take you to the very end of this portion of Scripture. It says... That at one point, as he comes to her and says, hey, what do you need? What do you want? Is there anything specific that you want? Do you understand what just happened in Scripture? Because of her willingness to serve. The the, the word there as she served them was to anxiously wait upon them with care. When she served them, she served them anxiously waiting with care. And she, she was not careless with any of it. And so some of you have been in that place. You've been doing that. Let me encourage you. What's about to happen is the anointing is about to turn around and say, what can I do for you? You've been making room. You've been making space. You've been doing it. The Lord is about to turn around and come to you and say, what can I do for you? And that's, you didn't ask for that. Maybe you started that in that manner. But God is showing up. I'm telling you, I just begin to speak this over our house that many of us, and even as our hearts have been bent to wanting to see transformation, that God is beginning to speak to us, Savannah Campus, what can I do for you? What is it that you want? And with a resounding cry from our heart, God, send revival. Send revival. Send revival. Send your presence. Send your power. Send, release the winds of awakening over this region. That Can I tell you all a vision that I've seen? If I can get through it without crying. I was in here praying one Sunday morning, and all of a sudden I caught a vision of the altars full of drug paraphernalia. And I saw not just drug paraphernalia, and I can't even say that because some people might slap me because of some of the toys that was on the stage. I'm just, I know that I'm too. I probably shouldn't have said that. But I, but, but I began to catch a vision of drug paraphernalia piled up on the stage from people that were drug addicts that were coming to the altar and they were laying their stuff on a stage and they were broken at an altar, weeping, just broken, snot and tears because the Spirit of God was expelling the demons and they were being delivered right here at an altar and it was being, 
that drug addictions were just being broken. But it wasn't just drugs. It was everything from sex addicts to people that struggle with overeating and gluttony and, and all types of disorders. I even saw some of the mental disorders of people having issues being delivered at altars. And, and, and I, just, I saw that and I said, God, let that come to pass. Let that come to pass. And, and what I've always prayed for is that the back of our church would be filled with wheelchairs, with crutches, with braces being ripped off and people running through the house because there's revival in the room. There's revival in the house. There's revival in the region. It's not that it changes a church. It's that it transforms a region where businesses, they begin to close down on certain days because there's a moving of the spirit. That businesses are prospering. That they're flourishing. The thriving. The people of our region are, are, are being blessed in such a magnificent way. Pastor AJ, I don't believe that. That sounds like heaven. Yeah. Heaven comes to earth. And the people of God demonstrating what we're supposed to be demonstrating as sons and daughters worshiping the King of Kings and making him famous. I pray it. I pray we make Jesus famous in our region. Gehazi responds to the lady in uh, verse 14 as uh, Elisha says, What are we supposed to do for her? And Gehazi answers. The woman doesn't answer. Because he sees. Gehazi responds. It says, Gehazi answered. It is a fact that she has no son. Do you know what Gehazi's name means? You know what it means? Valley of vision. It's a representation of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when you're in a place of such transparency before the Lord and tenderness before God, you're in a place you don't need anything else. But the Holy Spirit knows what you need. And so vision shows up. Holy Spirit shows up and says, Father... They, they're not asking and requesting anything, but just more of you. But what they need is this. Because when you delight yourself in the Lord, when you become clay and moldable in the hands of God, he, can, he then gives you the desires of your heart. She always desired a son. But vision saw it. Savannah Campus, make room. Make room. Make room. Drive out anything that does not line up with God's word. Run out anything that's not right. Not your husband or your wife. <laughs> You're bound there. But I want us to make room. Stand to your feet. Just want to pray a moment and then we're done. Come on, just there is a prayer where you're at. I want you to make the declaration again. Say your name and then say make room. Make it personal. AJ, make room. Make room. Make room. I do feel this in my spirit really quick before we pray. I feel like some of you that are hanging on to something, some things that you feel like, but I got to have this, but I got, but I got, this is important. This is, and God, I'm telling you, I feel this in my spirit tonight. You better turn it loose. Let go. Let go. Some of you, but it's good, Pastor. Yeah, but it ain't God. Let go of good so you can grab a hold of God. Let go of those things that bind you, hold you back, set you off. Turn them loose. Make room tonight. Make room. We pray. Father, I thank you for this word. I pray in your name that the people of God will begin to expand their capacities. I pray that... God, in the throne room of their heart that you're seated upon it, 
that if there's something seated upon that throne that is not you, their conviction begins to fall in the room right now. It's identified. Let it be very clear what it is. And I pray that in their heart right now that there's an authentic and a real, a transparent repentance before you. God, forgive me for allowing mammon, money. Forgive me for allowing a relationship, a job, something to be enthroned upon the seat of my heart in that upper room. Because what's interesting about the room, about the, the seat that they had, that she had built for Elisha was it was actually not just a regular seat, it was a seat of authority. It was a seat of royalty that she had built for him. God, we want to build the very best for you to sit upon in our hearts. Make room. I make room tonight, God. I pray for the anointing of Holy Spirit to come right now and touch every person. I pray that as they walk out of this house, there is such a power on their lives that people begin to request what's going on in their world. What is it about you that's different? Anoint us, God, and touch us with your power and your spirit, Jesus. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.